Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. I see that the uh, sun is shining above the clouds. I can get this right. So we've been talking about salt and light. How many of you have been enjoying salt and light? How many are trying to be a little bit more salt and a little bit more light right now? So today we're going to kind of continue that with light conquers darkness or only light conquers darkness. But we live in a world divided. How many of you know this? In fact, we're divided on politics. Man, you want to get into a fight with people, start talking about politics. It's like throwing a grenade in the middle of the room and boom, everybody has an opinion. Morality divides people. Are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? You know, there's lots of division on morality. Um, Ethnicity is dividing people. People groups are divided against one another. COVID-19 is dividing people today. Oh my goodness, I've seen fistfights over COVID-19. I'm like, oh my goodness. And uh, even churches are divided, doctrines, interpretations. People are divided today. And really, my focus today is division should not be found in the church. Despite the fact that it's found in the culture, it should not be found in churches specifically for our church, you know. And uh, today I'm going to emphasize one aspect of this that we're talking about. And um, I would like to talk about from the time that they built Babel, that tower in the Old Covenant, you've seen ethnic strife or division. We also call it racism today. And I believe that the church alone can bring reconciliation to the division regarding the diversity that God created. Okay. So getting a little bit of feedback from the first service, I just want to qualify a couple of my communications. Um, I really don't believe that anyone's story is any more important than anyone else's. And I am fully aware that everyone experiences some form of racism in one way or another. Okay, so because I choose to highlight one person's story doesn't mean I'm putting their story over yours. In, in the world we live in today, women get discriminated against too. So, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to uh, emphasize one over another, but I do feel that we in the church need to tell the stories and have some conversations. So don't, don't misunderstand the heart of the message, okay, that we're talking about today. Now, humans foundationally have a big problem with identity. There's an identity issue that we have as humans. Okay, how many of you know you have an identity issue? And until you come to Christ and you sort out who you are and who he made you to be and what he called you for and what he put you here on earth for, um, you're going to have an identity issue. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28, and if you've been here more than five minutes, you've heard me say this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We as Christians, Christ followers, were made to be image bearers. That means that we are people who were created in his image to look like him, act like him, talk like him, and walk like him. We doing okay? Now that said, there's this 
diagram that I would like to show you. They call them a, a Punit square and usually deals with genetics and they use these to kind of determine different things. So, you know, if I have blue eyes and brown hair and my wife has brown eyes and black hair and our parents have this, our kids have this percentage chance that they're gonna have blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes. Now this particular one that I'm showing you that we have up on the screen right now has to do with melanin or pigment. Can everyone say pigment? And I wanna show you that if you were to take you see the four squares in the center? Does everyone see the four squares in the center? There's a capital A, capital A with a little b and a little b. And then to the bottom right of that diagonally, there's a little a, little a with a capital B, capital B. With that genetic combination for skin pigment, Adam and Eve could have created every possible combination in the next generation. So if they were both somewhere in the middle, we'll call it brown, their children could have been anywhere from white to black. And they likely were. And it seems that at Babel, when people started uh, grouping according to the language that they spoke, then you started seeing people groups started developing the dominant color. But realistically, we all came from the same father, Adam and Eve, and we all come from the Father God. We were all made in his image. We're all human. As Christians, our identity is not rooted, sorry, if our identity in Christ, if, if our relationship, if our identity is not rooted in our relationship with Christ, we're always going to look to the wrong places for answers. And the main question you have to answer is, who am I? And as soon as you substitute a cause for who God made you to be, it creates a little bit of a problem because when your search for relevance becomes you know, filled with substitutes, causes, instead of your true nature, your purpose, then the leaders of the causes will start building their own kingdom instead of Christ's, okay? And if you're following a cause, the leaders of causes have to be careful that they don't build their kingdom, especially in Christianity, because we always want to point people to where? To Christ. We doing okay? Think about this. People who struggle with their identity, you know, for instance, do you, Moses really had a little bit of an identity issue there for a while, you know that? He was stuck in the river by his parents and raised by Pharaoh's daughter, um, the nation that happened to enslave his people. Some years later, he saw injustice and got involved, and as he got involved, it seems like manslaughter happened and he killed a guy. Moses didn't really know who he was. He knew that God had called him to lead. He just didn't understand God's timeline or how God wanted to accomplish it. It delayed the process by 40 years because he had to spend 40 years in the wilderness till the people that wanted him dead were gone. And then he could come back and then God delivered his people. We need to know and understand who Christ is and who he's called us to be and then we need to live accordingly. We as humans often resort to the arm of the flesh to accomplish God's purposes, and it never works out exactly how we think it should. That's why it's really important to know who we are in Christ. That's why it's important to have our identity firmly rooted in Christ. And then when you're operating in his nature and his character, it'll create less opportunity for the enemy to come in and cause problems for you. Because how many have tried to do something on your own without God? How'd that work out for you? <laughs> you know... And then I want to go to this. 
God is going to have every tribe, nation, and people group, every language in heaven with us. And in Revelation 7, 9, he says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. So in the book of Revelation, it says it again in Revelation 14, 6, I saw another angel flying through the sky carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. The gospel, the message of hope that Jesus came to earth to die for me and sin has gone to every nation, to every tribe, to every kindred. And in heaven, there's going to be people represented, every nation, every tribe, every kindred, in fact, every language. It's not just the nation, but even the subgroups within the nation. And you know, if you look at history, um, when you get a very strong, um, you know, like something like communism in the leadership, they will oppress the people and they will put down the division within the people because the people rebel against the oppression. But as soon as you release the oppression, what happens, you often get this infighting by the very people that used to be in bondage. They fight amongst themselves. And I find like <laughs> in the church too many times, we forget that we're supposed to be fighting Satan and we start fighting each other. Now, I've asked some of my friends to share their lived experience. Okay, and please understand, their lived experience is not the end all of everybody's lived experience, but I want to talk about some stories. I want to talk about some people's stories, so I asked some of my friends to share their lived experience. So let's watch the videos, then I'll come back. Video set one. Hi, my name is Don Williams and Pastor RJ wanted me to share my experiences with racism as a black man. As a man in my 60s, I've experienced many forms of racism, whether it be me in a store and security following me around or me walking by ladies on the street and they're clutching their purses and you just deal with it. But one time when I was in my 20s, I was in a drive-thru just grabbing a quick bite to eat. And there was a car in front of me, and then a car pulled in behind me with four young men in the car. And the next thing I know, they start calling me N-words and some of the most vile, vicious things you could ever imagine. And I couldn't drive away because I was blocked, but then I couldn't deal with the situation because I was outnumbered four to one, so I had to sit there and take it, and that really hurt. I was born and raised in Harrell. Where I grew up there, I experienced a lot of racism. I had a, a boy who took his pencil case, threw it on the ground, and say, you and you pick it up. Then I was sent to the principal's office where I was given a strap, and there he broke my arm. They treated the kids more different. The black were segregated. They were put in what they called the special ed class. In high school, there was no different. There was a lot of racial riots. It came to the point where there was weapons being brought into the issue, where we were gonna do the whites against the blacks. There, moving on into the, my factory life was no better. I had a man that said he was gonna skin me and make a wetsuit out of me and called me the N-word. I picked up a seatbelt buckle and I threw it and hit him in the back of the head. I stood over him with a torque gun and about ready to split his head open for saying that he was gonna skin me you in and make a wetsuit out of me. 
where it come to people had to jump on me to stop me from doing it. I don't find it fair that, you know, the racism is there. All I know is when I was growing up and in my household, we were taught color didn't matter. But outside of our household, it seemed to be. Hi, my name is Jonathan. I want to share with you my story and my, ex my expectations when coming to Canada. I came, it is, it's now five years soon, and when I arrived here, I found some, uh, let's say, some kinds of uh, discrimination, especially when it comes about work and when it comes about schools for kids, when they are at school or you find they are uh, likely isolated for, the, for their color or for from where they came from. But again here, this uh, discrimination is uh, manifested in many ways. At work, for example, you will find when you file in your resume or applying for a job, they will ask you to have a Canadian work experience while being just a newcomer, which makes no sense. You find, and this is, um, they are implementing their policies. So to me, for me as an immigrant, irrespective of my experience, experience and irrespective of my education, you will find that the available work would be handwork in the manufacturing companies and in factories, which is very frustrating at some point. And again here, you will find this uh, racial discrimination being manifest manifested in a neighborhood. This is a real case whereby uh, my brand new car, I woke up early morning and I found the windshield of my car was broken. Why that? Because they could see, mm -hmm, this is, he is not ours, he's not like us. And there again, uh, the question would be, why these? When you start listening to people's lived experience, and many of you have lived experience, I think all of us do, there's hurt, there's pain, there's anger, there's frustration. None of us like the injustice of the things that we have to walk through. You know, the truth is I've had lived experience, and, and I should probably qualify this better than I did at first service. So if you know someone at first service, tell them, forgive me. But I am not anti-police. In fact, I think defunding the police is more lawlessness than wisdom or any other civil authority for that matter. And uh, I don't want to get into the politics of that, but I think that's a, a foolish concept. But I have been pulled over by police in another country. They tried to plant drugs on me, you know. I have been shot at because I was white. I have been charged more money than the guy next to me because of the color of my skin. It's not like I haven't had lived experience and my experience is gonna be different than your experience and my experience is different than Jonathan's and Brian's and Donnie's. But you know, some people experience this daily, some people experience this more regularly than others and I cannot imagine the pain that we walk through as humans purely because of the melanin in our skin. Jonathan's a wonderful man, and if you know him, he's joyful and passionate about life, about Jesus and his beautiful family. How difficult it must have been for him to come here and then have to encounter 
all of the challenges that he did purely because of the melanin. His experience is not an isolated incident. Now, I will say this, WCF, you have been fantastic because when my friend Marie needed some volunteers to go into the community and help assimilate some of the newcomers to our region, you stopped up Windsor Christian Fellowship and you started adopting families and you started taking people around and showing them around so that they could feel more comfortable when they came to our community. And I believe that as a Christians, we're supposed to do that and help people integrate. But the key, I believe, portion of this conversation for everyone, can everyone say everyone? Doesn't matter your melanin, your pigment, doesn't matter your lived experience. In Luke 23, 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus never put a limit on forgiveness for how people have treated you. Look at what we did to Jesus. He had to experience the full wrath of God, all the sickness and disease, all the pain of our sin, all the grief that we cause others and him. God poured out on Jesus on the cross for us because he loves us. But he had to bear that even though he didn't deserve it. And he still came to the conclusion that, Father, I forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He still chose the love response. And the heart of the matter for all of us is no matter what your lived experience, you have to come to the place of grace and forgiveness at the cross as a Christian for your own benefit. And then in 1 Timothy 5, 21, I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, the highest angels, to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anybody. You shouldn't prefer someone because of how they dress or how they look or where they live or the car they drive or don't drive. I still haven't figured this out. I probably should have had a conversation with her. My wife has her Michael Kors purse sitting with her today. I remember where she got it. I'm amazed at how many people walk up and go, wow, is that Michael? It wasn't even on my radar. I've seen women for 48 years of my life and never once did I think, wow, that purse comes from... It's a bag that you decorate according to your taste and you carry it around and you carry your stuff in it. Like, maybe I'm a little simple. I don't know. But I don't think that makes her any better or worse than anyone else that has a purse that doesn't have the name Michael on it. Do you understand? But we judge and we value judge and we put labels on people. Silas Johnson, in his book, From One Light, Many Colors, is talking about how to move from where we are to where we need to be, there needs to be reconciliation. And he says, I'll read right from his book. He says, true reconciliation must come. Number one, we remove all past differences that caused alienation. Number two, remove any barriers or distinctions that would cause separation. And number three, restore any rights or privileges necessary for affirmation. These three things can only be done through the anointed Christ, Jesus, the mediator between God and man. And we have to come to the understanding that we can't do it alone. We need Jesus, our mediator, to come and build a bridge, which I'll get to in a little while. And in relationships with others, the only way that happens is when Jesus comes and mediates and builds a bridge for us. When people create separation and division, they are taking that mediator role instead of Christ. They're stepping in that role. And the problem is if they're not conciliatory in approach, guess what? They're not helping the cause of Christ. They're not furthering the kingdom. They're getting in the way of what God would like to do through Jesus. Um, Silas explains that uh, in another whole chapter, but I don't want to develop that much further today. 
In 1 John chapter 2, 11, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. As a Christian, you can't afford hatred, no matter your lived experience. No matter what's happened to you or what's been done to you, what's been said to you, we're Christians first. We're Christ's followers. We have to operate in forgiveness and we have to trust that God will show us the way to reconciliation. Let's play video set two, please. But, you know, life goes on. And my thing is now, um, with members of law enforcement I, who I respect and hold to the highest esteem, but with everything going on now, I have a concern about getting pulled over by the police uh, to the point where I practice what I'm going to do if I ever get stopped. And what I am going to do is put my hands on the top of my steering wheel. And after I unlock my door and roll my window down, and as the officer approaches, I will kindly ask him to open my door so that he can see Nothing is going on that he couldn't see when the door was closed. Any moves that he wants me to make will be done very, very slowly because I don't want him to think that any move I'm making is a threat to him. So that's just another thing we have to deal with. Um, so a lot of people just see me as for my color, but they don't see the content of my character. But time moves forward, time goes on. And I was taught God heals all things. So I believed in those and I kept going and kept those words in my mind. God will heal me and work through this and get me through these difficult times. And now where I look at my life today and where I stand, God was true to his word. I look at my wife, my family, my children, my kids very successful. So the words that rang loud in my head from when the teachers were back in the years ago, tell me I'd never amount to a hill of beans or never be a, have a good education or good job to support a family. I'd be a drug dealer in jail. All those come to be false because God brought me through it. And to this day, I thank God for every blessing that he poured upon me and my life and my family. And when I say family, I mean my brothers and sisters. They're all very successful in every way of life. And I just have to give God the thanks, praise, and the glory for it. And all I say to him, God is a good God. He's an awesome God. Just lean on to him for all your understandings. You may not understand it, but God does, and he will work you through it like he did with me. Thank you. The understanding is that that's the surface. That's what we see on the surface. That's what we see in the relationship, in, in, uh, in our relationship with others. But deep, if we go, if we go deep, that's uh, a heart of man crying for God. That's uh, the manifestation of the heart, hunger for God. That's the scene. That's the sin, which is the root cause of all those actions, which be it hatred, be it whatsoever, but 
That's the real cause. And the answer is for them to meet God. They are not to blame at all. The answer would be, as a believer, to pray for them to see God, to know God. Because if, as believers, we come to love each other, and if we are to have the heart of Christ, we should not experience such behavior within the community of believers. So my point is true. <clears throat> As immigrant, I experience and uh, still experience discrimination, social discrimination, as consequence of sin in the heart of man. But still, I have hope that, in my, be it in my life, be it in my family, be it on whoever believes, I know God has plans. And he will, by all means, make his plans come true in my life. So I don't, have, I don't lose hope. I trust God to make a way. And I strongly believe that the future is better, the future is brighter. Thank you so much. Bye. Sadly, my friend Don, who works in the USA, has to be concerned about being pulled over. He's a man I've personally known for 25 years or more. He's got the highest integrity, the highest character. Goodness, he even cheers for the Steelers. Way better team than his son-in-law. He loves Jesus. He loves people. He loves his family. If you can catch him in our marriage class with his wife, Cynthia, you'll be greatly blessed to hear the wisdom that comes forth from the man when he shares. You know, Brian is another man I respect highly. This whole concept of having videos tell the story, we were talking in my backyard, really, on the porch a few months ago, and he was sharing some of his story with us because I asked him a question. And as we were talking, and, and he was talking about how Christ changed his life, and then we got interrupted by a mink running through the yard, which was pretty incredible. But him and his wife, Liz, they're a great blessing to us here, especially on encounters. And by the way, uh, November 24th, we're going to do a one-day encounter for those of you that would like to. Uh, yeah, some of you should be more excited about that than others. It's going to look a little different, and we'll get all the data to you later, but you can save the date, uh, and we'll figure out how to register you later. So when you hear us announce it, then try to call the office and say, how do I register? Because right now you can't do that. Colossians 3. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what you do. Someone's going to offend you. Someone's going someone's to hurt your feelings. Someone's going to say something you don't like. If you've been married for more than five minutes, that's probably happened to you. Martin Luther King Jr., in his message on strength to love said, returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. Toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he's setting forth a profound and ultimately inescapable admonition. 
Remember, we were made in the image of God. We are Christ followers, and we have his nature inside of us, which means we don't respond the same way that the world does in these situations. In fact, I believe we're supposed to build bridges, not tear them down. So we as Christians have to come to the place where we can build bridges in relationships where there's brokenness. And that's hard to do sometimes, and sometimes that takes time. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart, he will show you the path to build bridges. You know, I told you, COVID is very divisive right now. People are all over the map with COVID. People have opinions on everything, and who do you listen to? And one doctor says this, and someone else says this, and people are confused. But the division, okay, have your opinion. I get it. We can agree to disagree. That's how it should be. But like, I mean, when they pass the bylaw about the mask, we make everyone wear a mask down the hall, and I've got people coughing on my staff to prove their point. You're not really helping your case. But how many times in Christianity are we coughing on people with our words, trying to prove our point, but we're not really building a bridge, we're tearing it down? I got strong opinions on many things, personally. <laughs> but... Oh, yes. <laughs> you can argue with me on my opinions, but if you want to argue the word of God, it's pretty non-negotiable. 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. That's a bridge. God built a bridge to us. I'll show you another expression of that in John 3.16. God built a bridge. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. My goodness, Jesus coming to earth was the greatest bridge ever built. Humanity who spit in God's face on so many levels because of their sin and they were separated from a holy God. God built a bridge through Jesus through the cross. He sacrificed his own son. He took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your pain, all of your hurt, all of your lived experience. He took that on the cross, and he carried it. And now he asks us to come and take our hurt, our pain, our shame, our grief, our sorrow, our anger, our frustration, and to lay it down at his feet in exchange his love and his peace and his power to live the Christian life so that we can be reflectors of his nature so we can be image bearers that he called us to be. We have to look to God. Why don't you stand with me? You know, as we come to the table for communion, it's a great opportunity for us to look within. And if you're looking within your heart, I think you're gonna find that none of us have arrived and none of us have quite got it all together. None of us are perfect in this. And the truth is, for today's conversation, all forms of racism, discrimination, prejudice, it's a direct assault on the work of the cross. It's a direct assault on what Christ came to do. He came to break down the walls that divide us. He came to bring unity. He came to bring oneness and wholeness. And sometimes we humans get in the way of what God's trying to do because of our own pride and our own prejudice. Father, as we come to the table today, I thank you that you look within our heart and anything that needs to be aligned within us, we surrender it to you. Our own pain, Lord, we lay it down. Our own hurt, our own judgments that we've passed on others. 
Lord, there's so many people that have had painful experiences. In fact, all of us have. It's part of the human condition in a fallen, sinful world. But we lay them down at your feet today and we say, heal us, restore us, help us to choose love and life, help us to choose peace, help us to build bridges in, in those relationships that have been shattered and broken. Lord, only you can heal a heart. So we release forgiveness. We release the mediator, Jesus, into every situation where we've been wronged. And Lord, as we release forgiveness, we receive forgiveness. And as we receive forgiveness, we lay down the pain and the shame of our past. Thank you that your healing power flows over our physical bodies and we can manifest that now with health and with life in the name of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus, it made a way so we don't have to be aliens and foreigners anymore in God's place, heaven. And when we receive Jesus into our lives, when we accept that he's the way maker that made a way for us to find forgiveness and freedom, when we accept that as Christians, he's given us a new nature where we can lay down and forgive hurt, pain, that we can put aside frustration, and we can receive forgiveness even for the things we've done in ignorance. Father, I thank you today that the cross is enough and that your blood is powerful. We release your power in our lives. We release your power in our homes. And Lord, help us in our hearts to not judge others based on superficial outward appearances. But help us to see as you do the heart, the character of people. And help us to be people of integrity with the character of Christ developed in our lives today in the name of Jesus. You know, at this time we receive tithes and offerings and I thank you Windsor Christian Fellowship and those online for your faithfulness in this area. We do believe that as we sow in faith, God will make a way for us and he will bless our finances and debts are paid and bills are eliminated. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the great opportunity to give and the privilege that we have. Thank you that you give seed to the sower and for people's faithfulness in the arena of tithes. And you rebuke the devourer from their household and no plague will come near their dwelling because the hedge is up on every side. Lord, for those that look after the poor, I thank you that you will repay them. And Father, I thank you that as Ephesians 4 says, that we could be humble and gentle, patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Lord, as we make every effort to keep ourselves united, binding ourselves together with peace, I thank you that there's one body, one spirit, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who's over all and living through us. So as everyone goes now in the grace and the wisdom of Jesus, I thank you that you're transforming us 
day by day and moment by moment. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. We'll look forward to seeing you next week as we continue on with Salt and Light.